Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show. Live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. We took a trip, now we on your block, and it's like a ghost town. Baby. Where did these be at when they said they going? We have a new evil empire in the National Football League repeating last night. That was the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, I need to, I need to talk some ball with somebody about it. I need I need to talk about it with somebody. That would be Kyron Samuels, who I'm gonna talk with about all of it. He is a former all-conference offensive lineman for Jacksonville State. Um, he's also senior consultant and staff writer at Defiant Takes for their football um, for their football side. He is on X at Kyron Samuels. Kyron, what's up, man? How's it going? What's up, man? Looking to get into it. Had a, a long game last night, but that's always the case with the Super Bowl. But I'm excited to talk about this. One. Uh, it was phenomenal game. It was like there was the. It had everything we really wanted from it. Uh, we got into the 20s. That was nice to see. Didn't quite hit the over. I think it was, what, 47 and a half? It was at 47 when we ended the game. Um, but it ends in a uh, similar fashion. We have a repeating team in the Kansas City Chiefs. It's almost on Patriots level. Um, uh, when, when, when they have a chance to go win a big game, they seem to come through. The championship DNA shines through. They don't make mistakes. When I heard about uh, the 49ers not being familiar with overtime rules, I knew the Chiefs were... Um, they, they just seem to understand the situation and come through when it matters. And now, looking at Patrick Mahomes and, and the resume he has through six years, three Super Bowls, he's been to four, he's won 15 playoff games, that's that's tied for second all-time with Joe Montana through six years. It's unbelievable what they've been able to accomplish. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, when you talk about the start to a career um, – I mean, like you said, I think it's fair to say he's had the best start to a career we've ever seen at the National Football League, and that may include Tom Brady. I know Brady came in, and he was three for three uh, when he started. But, I mean, listen, you got three already. You've been before. Uh, it's pretty tough to beat that when you talk about longevity and consistency. He's already starting to enter that territory in terms of production-wise longevity. I saw, too, on the other side, we have the 49ers who have lost now two times to the Chiefs, and this is Kyle Shanahan. He's now... 0-3 if you count the 28-3 debacle he had when he was the OC for the Falcons. I uh, We'll get back into the Chiefs in a second, but when it, I mean, when we look at that team going forward, I mean, can we project them getting back to this spot again? I know that they're probably not going anywhere um, sort of in the face of the NFC, but getting back through to this point with Brock Purdy consistently doing what he's doing now that you have more film on him, you're going to have to pay these uh, these skill position guys a lot more going forward. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think moving forward, it's going to be a little bit difficult for them to uh, keep the defense intact. I think they're going to be fine offensively. Everything we've seen from Kyle Shanahan in his career as a coach, he's going to put an offense out there that can produce points and put points on the board. 
but, but they're going to have to, you know, I think they're going to have to start hitting on some of their draft picks here uh, defensively and really shoring up the depth on that side of the ball. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, I think the first thing they should do, number one priority this offseason should be securing Brandon Ayuk. I don't think people realize uh, how important, how integral he is to their offense and what he's done unlocking them, especially blocking in the run game as well as his all-pro level ability. He made all-pro this year. So I think making sure he's around, if you can afford that, is important. And then showing up that offensive line, maybe through the draft, uh, maybe through free agency. But Trent Williams is getting up there in age. Um, and the rest of the offensive line outside of him isn't exceptional. So that's got to be a place that you look to address pretty soon. But if they can do that, uh, I don't think the NFC as a whole is just this gauntlet that you have to run through right. uh, in terms of when you get to the playoffs. There's going to be a little bit difficult. There's some attrition during the season. But when you talk about individual matchups in the playoffs, I think the nucleus of the, of the 49ers is good enough to if they can get to the playoffs healthy, they'll be in a good spot to potentially get back to this place again. And what was brutal last night is watching Dre Greenlaw go out with the Achilles injury. I mean, running oh, off the sideline, too, at that. I mean, when we have, when we talk about that team and, and their defensive prowess, it starts with those linebackers and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. If he's no longer there and they're going to have to go find another guy, um, that, that's going to be a, a harsh reality they have to face coming up next year. 100%, 100%. So <clears throat> I just – John Lynch has his work cut out for him. But, you know, I think I'm going to give him a little bit of bail um, right. when you talk about it because outside of the Trey Lance deal, which was a huge debacle, we have to admit that. That was a huge miscue. Uh, they've done pretty well at every other turn in terms of managing the roster, acquiring talent, getting rid of cap space, doing everything that they have to do. I thought they, I think they've done a pretty good job. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say they'll figure it out. Uh, and still the team that can compete again next year. Now, back to the Chiefs. It, it's strange to me this year, it was done completely different. This was the number two scoring defense during the regular season. They ran through a gauntlet in the AFC. Now, I've seen a, a couple of people uh, try to uh, downplay what they were able to do, but it was Dolphins, then they had to go at the Bills, at the Ravens, then they beat the 49ers those last three games, all underdogs. Um, and that was really sort of the first time we've seen that in Patrick Mahomes' career with the Chiefs. But this was a different way they got this done, and it was behind Steve Spagnuolo. When we talk about uh, the history he made last night, this is his fourth Super Bowl championship as a uh, as a defensive coordinator. I think that's the record now. When we talk about him and, and his career, we talk about Hall of Fame at some point. What wh- I mean, how much can you say about Steve Spagnuolo and the job he was able to do this year with with that Chiefs offense sort of sputtering? And, and, and sort of having struggles throughout this season because of their lack of uh, lack of skill position talent outside of Travis Kelsey. Well, you know, just getting to Spag, man, I think we really have to start to put this guy in the upper echelons of coordinators to ever do it. I mean, <laughs> he took down Tom Brady's undefeated uh, Patriot team in that 2007 season, and uh, we see him take down literally the most prolific offense in the NFL and the Miami Dolphins this season. Then he follows that up, and they go, and, you know, the Buffalo Bills had some success, but when it was winning time, when it was crunch time, they bit down in the red zone and got off the field and, and won that game. Then they completely took Lamar Jackson um, in, in the Ravens' offense out of sync. Even the play callers didn't know what to call. Barely right. attempted to run the ball. It was just a weird situation. And then you get to the biggest stage of them all on the Super Bowl stage uh, and, and do a really good job against one of the more explosive defenses excuse me, offenses in the National Football League, and especially in the red zone. I thought they did a great job hunkering down uh, and keeping them out of the end zone. Some of those plays, you could just say that the 49ers missed those plays, but uh, to the victor goes to spoil. The history will will reflect that they did not let those guys into the end zone, and that's what all we're going to remember. So huge shout-out to Spags and having the guts to call some of those blitzes. Like that third and fourth blitz 
yep. in regulation that, that got them a chance to go down and tie the game, potentially could have won that game. That was a brilliant call. And even though it's his calling card, you still have to have the guts to call it because Brock Purdy has been really good against the Blitz all season. So to call that in that moment and trust your guys to get it home for you, and then they did it, it was just it goes to show uh, how much faith he has in his guys. And I would love to play for a guy like that if I was a defender. What what does Spags do? So what has he done so well? We talk about the blitzing, but it, it, like the simulated pressures, where he brings it from. Why is it so confusing to opposing uh, offenses? Well, I think they do such a, a fantastic job of uh, disguising it. I think that was the thing we talked about. Um, you know, we have a group chat with, with a bunch of football guys in there. Uh, that third and fourth play, uh, you know, there's a couple guys that are probably open on that play, but Purdy takes his drop not nonchalantly, but he takes a normal drop instead of a quick drop to get the ball out because he thinks he's going to have some time. He doesn't see uh, McDuffie delaying on the blitz because they disguise it so well. It's not giving it away pre-snap. They do a very good job of not just giving the entire car pre-snap. They might do some movement. You might have a mug backer that walks up in the A-gap or something, and you kind of maybe alert, but a lot of times they'll do that, and they'll just drop them back, or they'll leave them at the line of scrimmage to, to spot. So it's just a disguise in the way to do it from that angle. I think Spaz is probably the best in the business at that, and it's timely. It's not always – uh, in, in the high variation. It's just when you need it the most, he calls his best plays, and that's his talent. Now, I want to rewind a couple of months, Kyron, because I, I this, this is probably one of the uh, – uh, this is about as, as badly wrong as I've been in an NFL season. Two months ago, um, when we're going down the stretch of the season in the in the National Football League, and we're looking at the Chiefs and what they were not able to accomplish on the offensive side of the ball, I said that they've slowed down. They have slowed down. And I think everybody was sort of on that same page. It was just different. They're, they're you know, defensively inclined, offensively. They're not scoring as much po- as many points, and that's really how they've gotten to this point um, in, their, in their sort of dynastic run. Um, but two months ago, if I, if I told you the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl, would you, have, uh, would you have been surprised? You know, yes and no. I would say yes because I was with you in the fact that they didn't look like a Super Bowl-worthy team. They looked like a team that was going to make the playoffs, uh, get into a, a dogfight, and, and, and get into a situation where the offense just can't produce enough to get over the hump, uh, even with their spectacular defense, because the defense was exceptional all season. It was historically one of the best scoring defenses ever, especially in the playoff run. They held uh, their four playoff opponents to only 63 points the entire playoffs. Uh, but even even with that said, I didn't think that they were going to be good enough to get it done this year it's because of their struggles offensively, and they were really banged up there. They had some, you know, Joe Tooney goes down. Travis Kelsey hadn't looked like himself in a while. All the attrition that receiver, just even when they were healthy, they weren't helping out <laughs> Patrick Mahomes a whole lot. So I didn't see them getting to this point. But at the end of the day, coaching matters and having spectacular players matter. And when it was time to get there in, in, in the playoffs, those guys rose to the occasion week after week, and that in and of itself is not necessarily surprising. Uh, but the fact that they did it in that way, and it was really not much of a, a contest, <laughs> literally until the Super Bowl, that's surprising to me, and I have to give them all the credit in the world for that. And they're now in that Patriots realm, in my opinion, of I, I don't really care what they look like during the regular season. You know they're going to be around <laughs> come playoff time. You know they're going to be able to make something happen come playoff time, whether it's Spags at D.C., uh, dialing it up, whether it's Patrick Mahomes showing up. He was phenomenal last night, 34 for 46, 333 yards. He had the bad pick, um, but he came back and responded to that. They are in that Patriots realm of, you know what, during the regular season it is what it is. We'll see where they're seated. But as we get into the playoffs, they're going to be the toughest out for anybody. Absolutely. And uh, I saw, I think it was ESPN somewhere. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, 
the Chiefs defense is one of the youngest defenses in the NFL. That kind of blew my mind because you, you think about a couple of years ago, you know, we were talking about, hey, they got to replace this guy, that guy. Right. Um, but you hit on a Trent McDuffie. You hit on a George Parlaptis. Um, even uh, Felix and Duke Uzoma out of uh, Kansas State made a tackle for loss. He's starting to come into his own. He's only going to get better. Those linebackers are incredible. Leo Chanel hit on that draft table. They're hitting on these guys, and they may not be big names to the masses, uh, but to the football world, that is a really, really great defense. And they're young. They're going to have them for at least another year or two. Uh, if they can secure Chris Jones, they can get him what he's worth. If they can secure Trent McDuffie, I think you might want to go ahead and pay a guy like that. So there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no uh, all pro, no, all pro, and he was right. phenomenal last night. I, I think he's earned it. I, there's a case to be made from watching that tape today. I think he was the best player on the field on either side of the ball. Right. Uh, maybe we can give it to Harrison Buckner. I know everybody forgets about the kicker sometimes, but he was exceptional. Broke a Super Bowl record for the longest field goal, but. Um, I think he might have been the best player on the field. But if they can keep that young core of defense intact, they'll be here year in and year out because Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, as long as Andy's the guy calling plays and getting that offense together, they're going to be right there in the thick of it. Yeah, and Travis made it very clear he was coming back. I did like that. We at the podium last night. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. There were some questions. I think, who was it? Michelle Tafoya sort of brought it up and and asked if he was going to retire because he saw Jason retire this offseason. But he's going to be back, so you, you feel good about where they're at. Now, um, I, 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 we talk about Steve Spagnuolo. We talk about Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Brett Veach. Holler at me about their GM, man. I mean, this guy. I, it, it, as much as we give credit where credits due to all of the guys that that, that that you know sort of make the headlines, like Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, this guy is one of the the less talked about guys in that entire organization. But he he's the architect of the whole thing. Absolutely, and uh, we saw with the whole Patrick Mahomes contract situation, a lot of people felt like uh, Patrick Mahomes, he didn't get a bad deal, but for what he had represented for that team and what he had done in such a short period of time, it was a team-friendly deal for a long time. So they took care of the quarterback uh, last offseason and, and gave him that extension to make him you know, the highest-paid quarterback in the league, all that good stuff for that time being. <laughs> and I still think they're on the team-friendly deal with this contract when you look at the rest of the league now uh, after that, but – They've done a great job of securing their best players. There was the Chris Jones situation, obviously, during the season, but even they made that work, and it just so happens that he hit almost every single one of his incentives. It almost never works out like that for the player, but that's one of the rare cases where it works out for the team and it works out for the individual. Now he's in a position to re-up even more. Um, and they have, like I just, we just talked about all those young guys on defense. The offensive line is relatively young as well. Right. You have a young guy in, in, in the middle. You got Creed Humphrey. Trey Smith still on rookie deals, I believe. Then you got Jawan Taylor, who's a relatively young guy. I think he's in his late twenties, maybe. He had a rough year for the most part, though. We can, we can admit that, but he 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 sort of oh, turned yeah. it on and got better as the season went along. A hundred percent. So they have a lot of young pieces to work with offensively. It's really about bolstering that skill group at the wide receiver position. Maybe you want to also think about getting a young tight end in this draft. Um, I think because you know, if I was Travis Kelsey, if it was me, <laughs> I'm not Travis Kelsey, but. 
I probably would have retired. There's no better way to go out, in my opinion. You got Taylor Swift there. You got Spaghetti coming down. You just won your third Super Bowl, all that. That probably would have been a great time to retire. But if he's going to be back, I would assume it's going to be in a reduced capacity. I think they already started to manage the snaps a little bit better this year. But I think we see even more of that going forward just because of the attrition. His body is just a natural cycle of football. So if they can if they can really get some young talent at their skill position there, the, the future is bright because the rest of the team is locked in. Yeah, and they just keep breaking trends. Like the Chiefs, uh, for, for those that don't know, I talked about this a little bit earlier, um, but when you look at Patrick Mahomes, he had the highest, the largest cap hit on that Chiefs team, one of the largest in the NFL. He's the first quarterback to be able to do that with the largest cap hit on his team. Like that's not – we've been talking about it for years. We pay these quarterbacks astronomical amounts of money – and then it's hard to sort of keep a team up around them. And it was harder for the Chiefs this year. I, I, we've already talked about that. But for them to sort of break that trend and be the first team to be able to accomplish that, that is, that's something you have to pay attention to going forward. Is he the only one that can do that? I don't know. We'll see You know, with, with some of these guys, you know, the Joe Burrows of the world, the Justin Herberts of the world now with uh, uh, you know, um, Jim Harbaugh in L.A. We'll see if they're able to get over the hump. But this is the first time that a quarterback that gets paid like this has been able to sort of keep up that level of winning with having uh, so much taken up as far as a cap hit. A hundred percent, man. And like I said, it kind of goes back. You got to give Beach more credit there, and you know their scouting team and their coaches for hitting in the draft, man. When you hit on these young guys, it allows you some of that flexibility to where hey, we can pay the best player in the world, and we can give him what he's worth, and it's going to work in our favor because we're going to be the best team drafting. They're one of the best teams. I don't know if I'll call them the best team drafting, but they got to be up there top five-ish in that area uh, in securing young talent and that talent producing at an early clip. So as long as that continues to be the trend, uh, maybe they can get away with some of this stuff because, you know, as long as you get Patrick Mahomes and those guys in the playoff offensively, like we, like we said, they're always going to have a shot. Now I want to take a look ahead at the uh, the offseason in general, the, the draft and everything else, um, but I do want to ask you, how how'd you like the halftime show? Usher, Alicia Keys, we had Will I Am, we had a bunch of people show up, do do their cameos. You know, I really enjoyed it. I thought it actually went by too fast. I was, you know, having, I was hosting people at my house, and uh, we were all having a good time jamming, and then we look up, and it's over, and we're like, right. wow, already. <laughs> so um, it was really cool. Somebody tweeted it out, and uh, they're like, it's cool to see our generation being the one pander to now. Like, <laughs> right, we were a little right. bit old, we were a little bit younger, and then some of the older acts, we all appreciate those guys. I mean, of course, you got to give them all their love. But now we're starting to see ushers. And we got Jennifer Lopez a couple years ago with Shakira. And then, uh, you know, Beyonce's done it a couple times. It's kind of starting to, to shift to our generation of superstars. So it's really cool to see that. Yeah, I hope I'm never the the older guy, though, here in like 10 years that's, you know, complaining about the halftime show because I don't I don't have them but but Usher's catalog was nuts I, and, and you can always count on the old guys uh chiming in and say oh I have no Usher in my in my uh in my uh music in my Apple Music account I, I don't pull that up on Spotify but at the same time man that catalog's so damn deep it was ridiculous oh absolutely and it was cool to see guys like uh Ludacris and, and Lil John and those guys out there Jermaine Dupri other guys that we grew up with and kind of uh, shake the musical sound of our, our generation coming up. It was cool to see those guys on that stage as well because um, they don't get the chance to get their flowers now. A lot right. of stuff is, you know, kind of microwave and you see random stars pop up here and there. But it was really cool to see that generation of people kind of get their flowers on that stage and go out together. That end scene where everybody's on the stage turning up right there, it was very representative of Atlanta. That was a real cool moment, especially right. for a Southern kid like myself. Yeah, and now we're uh, we're transitioning into another year into the off season. Um, but going into next year, as long as uh, Taylor Swift and uh, 
Travis Kelsey are together, we're going to have more complaining about Taylor Swift and her her uh, <laughs> being shown on on broadcast, aren't we? She made the NFL yeah, a lot of money, though. If you just sort of look at, at the the new fan base that was brought in of young women, the, one that they haven't been able to tap into all that well, although they tap into just about every fan base, that was huge for the NFL this year. As much as people complained about it along the way, that was massive. It's just it, you, you, you cannot I, – I mean, I think the, the estimation I saw was like $330 million worth of um, – you know, revenue that was generated by, by Taylor Swift down the stretch of the season. You cannot measure, though, the impact she had this year. And I know that I sound a little bit corny when I say that, but it's the truth of it. Oh, yes. It's the truth of the matter, 100%. Whether you love her or hate her, everybody was tuning in to watch her. I mean, even having uh, a superstar that's a young girl like Ice Spice up there with her, that was a hilarious Right, right. You have Ice Spice. In the, in the suite with Jason Kelsey <laughs> talking with Jason Kelsey. Like, it's just a, such a hilarious mix of cultures and, and, and people and generations of people. Like, Jason Kelsey's 35, 36. Ice Spice is young, like 23. It's just blending of all cultures. And I think that's actually a benefit to the game. Whether you're tired of seeing her on the broadcast or not, uh, I guarantee you those Super Bowl ratings will be the highest ever. I believe it will yeah. shatter uh, whatever the previous record, which was set last year, actually. So um, I think it's going to shatter the previous record and her – Impact, like you said, cannot really be measured in a monetary value. All right, now I need to I need to transition. I have one question about coming up uh, this off season. It has nothing to do with the Chiefs. Has nothing to do with the Forty ers But it has to do with the number one overall pick in the twenty twenty four NFL Draft, and that's Caleb Williams. What are your thoughts there? I know on Friday um, on my show I talked about Merrill Hodge and what he had to say. He didn't really give a bunch of reasons as to why he said. Um, Patrick Mahomes was not, or I mean, not Patrick Mahomes, but Caleb Williams was not special, and he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. He just sort of threw it out there, I guess, tried to bring a little bit of balance to the conversations because Caleb Williams has gotten a lot of credit for what he's been able to accomplish at USC thus far, and he's been tabbed this generational prospect. I think it's slowed down a little bit with the seven wins they had this year, USC during the regular season. But what do you think about Caleb Williams, and what do you think about the hype going into the draft? Well, talking about Merrill Hodge's statements first, I think that, like you said, it is uh, a good thing to have somebody to balance out the conversation. I think for a long time there, um, I tweeted this out back in, I think this was December of 2022, uh, that I thought the Caleb Williams hype could surpass Tim Tebow, Lamar Jackson, uh, Cam Newton mania. And I think for a while there, it actually did. We had guys on national TV like uh, Nick Wright and some of those guys putting him as the second best quarterback I mean, Dan, Dan, Dan Orlovsky calling him, you know, a mix of Lamar and Josh Allen. Right. and I mean, it was he, ridiculous. He was a more refined Mahomes. I'm like, a more refined <laughs> Mahomes is the best quarterback to ever play the game. I mean, like, right. so you have to really – I think it's fine when you have guys like Merrill Hodge um, that want to balance out the conversation a little bit. I would have loved for him to use more football reasons. Yes, just, uh, I agree. Saying statement. But uh, getting into Caleb Williams as a prospect, I think he is a phenomenal prospect. I think he's the best prospect in this draft. In terms of arm talent, I don't think there's many guys that you could put in a category with him coming out of college. Maybe a Patrick Mahomes type, Josh Allen type, Aaron Rodgers type, those types of arm talents. I think he can be in that bunch. I think it's that special looking through his tape. He does have a lot he needs to work out and refine. He is a home run hitter. He's always trying to have make the big play. And I think some of that is just the function of the offense. A lot of the offense is just uh, bubble screens or, hey, Caleb, go make a play for us. So <laughs> I think when you're in an offense like that, uh, I think you kind of lend to some bad habits. And he's going to have to break those habits at the next level. But I think he's 100% a prospect that you take number one overall, that you bet right. the arm on. Um, because talents like this don't roll around very often. And he isn't Patrick Mahomes. But we have to put it into perspective as well. Nobody thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be this good when he came into the NFL. 
he was the 12th overall pick. People tra- the, the Chiefs traded up for him. He had some, you know, some juice behind him. People thought he was going to be good. He could be a star. He could be a Pro Bowl type guy. Nobody thought he was going to be this. Yeah. So I think we should give Caleb Williams the same luxury to grow into his position. It's not the way we do things now, but I think we should give him a little bit more grace to grow into the position and to come in and have some success. And if he doesn't become Patrick Mahomes, there's still a long gap between Patrick Mahomes and then like a Carson Wentz or even a guy like <laughs> we see Trevor Lawrence. He may have plateaued already. If he's anywhere in between the Kyler Murray level and anywhere above that, that is a great player in the National Football League and worth the number one overall pick. So yep. uh, even though he may not turn out to be one of the greatest we've ever seen, there's a lot of area in there where he can still be worth that pick and live up to some of the hype and be a very productive player in the NFL. And that's what I would expect from him. Maybe For not sure. right away, but I would bet on his talent. Yep, so we'll see what happens coming up in the 2024 NFL draft, if the Bears are going to trade the pick, if the – uh, commanders end up moving up, but we'll see. We'll see. But, Kyron, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining. No problem, man. Anytime. Yes, sir. That's Kyron Samuels, at Kyron Samuels on X. He's a senior consultant and staff writer for Defiant Takes for their football uh, side, and also he's a former all-conference offensive lineman at Jacksonville State. All right, now it's time to get up out of here. In just a moment, we're going to pass you off to Jessica Benson for pregame for the Grizzlies versus the Pelicans. Tip will be at 7 o'clock. They have a new player, Jordan Goodwin. We already talked about that on the show today. We'll see what happens with him the rest of the season. The Grizzlies are just going to continue to give guys looks. They're going to continue to give guys looks. And if they can come through, maybe they have a spot on this roster. I don't know what it's going to look like going into next year, um, but we know the injuries have forced a lot of guys into playing time um, that normally would not be there. Um, I, I, I know that Connor's having a little bit more fun with it than me, but at the same time, I think as we move a little bit forward, um, we're, we're, we're going to find that the Grizzlies going into next year may be in good hands, but we'll go ahead and pass you off. Jessica Benson's next.